TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at a Chuckery Show. Halfway home on a Wednesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. Two nine. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part uh, of the show. Watch a little AEW uh, up here. We'll get to uh, Terry Fontenot here in uh, just a, a couple of minutes. Uh, Braves do win uh, today. Just watching the the replay of the uh, Braves game, and uh, of course they win twelve to five today. Take two out of three from the um, uh, California Angels, and now we know that Max Fried is going to officially be back. Uh, was announced today that he is going to be the uh, originally it was TBA as far as starting pitchers go, but we now know Max Fried is going to be back on Friday night to at a pitch, and um, you know we'll see how he pitches against Dansby Swanson. Uh, I'm sure Dansby is looking forward to this series, like like he's I don't want to say he's looking for some get back, but I mean you, you got to figure you know Freddie Dansby those guys want a little bit of payback because they probably both thought in a lot of ways they would be Braves for life. That they probably thought that, okay, we'll never leave the Atlanta Braves. We'll always be here. And, you know, we're going to spend our whole career here in Atlanta. And, yay, we won the World Series and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, year, two years later, it's like, oh, okay, we're gone now. You know, so, um, you know, and the Braves are now the best team in baseball. You know, the Cubs are flubbling around, you know, what the Cubs do. Uh, Dodgers are obviously a really good team, but, um, you know, again, I don't know that they're better than the Braves are right now in the National League, but Braves are certainly the cream of the crop of the National League right now, uh, probably the cream of the crop in all of Major League Baseball. I think they have the best odds to win the World Series. So, again, it's, you know, bittersweet, but, you know, guys move on. Guys, got, you know, Dansby didn't get in the poorhouse. He got what 177 million or whatever like that. I mean, can't feel bad for Dansby, you know. Can't can't feel bad for for him, you know, on all that. So uh, again, it'll be uh, interesting to watch uh, Max Fried back on the hill, and let's hope that he gets things together because again, I think that was part of the reason why they weren't able to pull the trigger on a starter. It's just they didn't want to give up what they had to give up, uh, thinking that Freed and some other guys are going to be back at it. So we'll see what happens uh, here, but. Terry Fontenot had a chance to catch up with our midday guys earlier today. And uh, Andy and Randy um, uh, started off by asking the first question about what's been the difference between in in year three versus year one and two. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I would say it is. And, and, look, you have challenges every season, and you deal with those challenges, and you make the absolute best of it. That's what we love about this 
this team, this program, we make the best of every situation. And this year is unique and different. And, and we're able to bring in a lot of players this year. And yet we were disciplined. We wanted to bring in the right kind of guys. But when you look out at camp, it's very competitive. Um, you talk about every position, every phase, there's a lot of competitiveness. And it, it's going to be a hard 53-man roster to make. We're going to have to cut some good good football players. And so, but you love the competitiveness is bringing out the best in everyone. Iron sharpens iron like man sharpens man. And, and we're going to be ready to roll. So it, it's really exciting. And the, the job is the job. I mean, you're a general manager for an NFL football team. Like that's almost no one gets that job. The pressure is there every single season, no matter what. Is there a different level of pressure this season that you feel knowing that this roster, like Randy was saying, is so much more of the guys that you you and Arthur have brought in since you've been here? Yeah, pressure is a privilege, and, and it is. You, you know, there's always going to be pressure, and you have to bring in guys that want to be in those moments. Like if, if you don't have broad shoulders, you better not be a head coach or a GM or a quarterback. There's certain positions that it's, it's not for you if you don't enjoy and embrace the pressure. And we want that kind of pressure. We want to have to make tough decisions and, uh, about cutting players. And we want there to be pressure because we're, we're – our goal is to play 17-plus games and to have a chance whenever you roll out there, whether it's Sunday or Thursday, whenever the game is, that you have every chance to win that game because of the guys in that locker room. So um, we, we love and embrace the pressure, and, and we have players that do as well. I got a question because I know everybody, it's always about the, the most current draft class. Talk to me about last year's draft class and no, uh, because everybody's like, you didn't draft the DN. Well, hell, they drafted the defense in the second round last year. What is it about how you seen these guys mature in their second-year training camp? Yeah, it, it's really cool because you see so much growth. And, you know, that's a factor when we bring in the veterans we bring in. We want to bring in the right types of veterans because they're a part of that. When you draft players, they're not already made. They have really good developmental traits and they have good makeups and we expect them to get the most of their ability. And so that's why we have really good coaches that teach and develop, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's in the film room, we're going to continue to learn, but also it's the other players. So now you have a, a, a AK who we drafted in the second round, D'Angelo Malone who we drafted in the third round. We believe they have really good traits and ability and, and, and they can rush and yet now you have a, a Bud Dupree and a Calais Campbell and you bring in those types of guys and they can look at them and see okay that's how you do it that's how you really become a pro because we have coaches coaching them but it's important to have the players as well and, and it doesn't even have to be um, guys you look at Drake London and Drake's done some really good things last year and then you look at bringing in a guy like Mac and he's a consummate professional ultimate pro um, my office is, is right above where the players actually run out um, to go to practice. And I feel like every time I turn around, Max out there doing more work and more drills, but he also brings people with him. Mm -hmm. And so you look at the class and then the players that we have on the roster, they're helping those guys continue to grow. So, and we're seeing them take that next step. Taking on any of Max's diet? Mac, oh my goodness. So, right, he eats with his hands. No utensils. Doesn't wear shoes. Only meat. I'm the complete opposite of him, man. <laughs> yeah, you kind of. I'm the complete opposite. Yeah, I, I, I buy that. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're nothing alike. Yeah, he but, seems a little but I love there. him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, another guy you guys drafted last year in the third round is a quarterback. Quarterback is yep. going to be starting week one this year. This is the third year we've done this with you, and we've been talking about a different quarterback every single year. Yeah. A year from now, you think we're talking about Desmond Ritter as a starter again? Yeah, you know, that's you never know what the year is going to bring, but we're very excited about Desmond. And it, it starts with the player he was at, at Cincinnati. Nobody believed in him, and, and, and nobody – and all he did was, was won a lot of games at Cincinnati and, and took that – he was a part of taking that team to the next level. And we saw that – Right when he got here, the type of teammate he was, the way he works, and we saw a steady improvement over that those last four games. We saw him handle adversity. We saw him in critical moments, and we know he has the mindset to continue to grow and improve 
through the summer and, and, and through training camp. So we're very excited about that. We talk about roles all the time. What's this guy's role going to be on this team, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, uh, you know, you draft a guy so high at B. John as the running back. I think yeah. everybody wants to go automatically go back. Well, what's Tyler? What is he? I mean, he's a thousand yard back. What is his role going to be? Yeah. How will the roles work out with these two guys? Because, I mean, you can't not take the ball away from Tyler because he's such a good player. But yet, B. John is so dynamic. So, I know you don't call the plays, but how do you see their roles together? Yeah, Tyler, uh, Bijan, CP. Yes. And But the key with all those guys is they're versatile players, and they can do a lot of different things. And, and whether we're talking about running the ball at the backfield, catching the ball, moving around in, in different positions, and you talk about positionless football, you talk about Kyle Pitts and Janu, and, and we believe that we can do a lot of different things with our team. You can be in 22 personnel or 23 personnel and go out there and you're an empty and, and the defense has to adjust. And, and obviously with Arthur Smith and our coaching staff, we have a really smart staff that's going to get the most out of players. So that's the exciting thing about Bijan because – and there's a lot on his plate right now. Y'all see him out there doing a lot of different things, but he can handle it mentally. He can handle it physically. And wherever you get him the ball, he's going to make plays, much like Tyler, much like uh, CP. So we're excited about it. Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot joining us here on the Midday Show with Andy and Randy. And you, you mentioned a term – that gets mentioned sometimes, especially when we talk about this offense, positionless football, right? Like it's, it's so interesting to talk to, to folks like you that are in the position to put the team together to try to anticipate where the league is going. Yep. Is, is, that, is that the direction that the NFL is headed? Well, that, that's our mindset, and, and different teams do things different ways. Like some teams do have – they set parameters by position, and they say, okay, this is how much we're going to invest – in this position at this time and we're not going to go outside of this or or we're not going to draft this position at a certain point some teams do operate like that they give themselves rules like that for us we have an open mind about everything and, and then we say it's it's who not what it's not what position they play but it's who it is should are we going to draft a running back eighth overall i don't we'll draft Bijan robinson eighth overall that's what we drafted we drafted Bijan eighth overall we didn't draft the running back and so that's how we see it and and it's about who the person is are, are we going to uh, pay a guard that much money. Um, we'll pay Chris Lindstrom yeah. that much money. And so that's how we see it. And, and do we have a clear vision of how we're going to use them and how um, they're going to fit here and how they're going to help us uh, be a consistent winner? Uh, that's what it's all about for us. But around the league, some teams see it different ways. It's all about competition. And, you know, and sometimes, and I always say this all the time, but sometimes competition at positions like, okay, it's not really competition, but you do have this on your offensive line. Young fellow, boys are on second-round picks, getting the first-team reps. How have you seen him grow into that rep? Because he's still a young player, and I heard he got baptized a couple times by some of the veterans early on. But is he in a position where, you know, well, was it Wally Pip or whatever it is <laughs> in, in a situation yeah, like, I mean, right. if he doesn't come back in time, this young fella could, could see his name, could hear his name coming out to smoke the first game? Well, you know what you love about it is the guys come that he's going against right now. So you're going against – Grady, you're going against David. I mean, if you can anchor against David, then he's one of the most powerful guys in the NFL. And if you can handle Grady's first step quickness and you can handle – so he's going against some of the best in the NFL right now. And that's what we love about it. But, again, we talk about mindset. He has that mindset to get in there and, and, and work to improve every day. And he's done some good things. He said it, I think it was the first day that David got under his pads and pushed him back a little bit. And that's a real NFL – Defensive tackle right there, a heavy-handed guy. So we're excited about that, the fact that he can go in there and go against some of the best. From a health standpoint, I know you can't tell us specifically, but just in general, how's, how's Kyle – we saw Kyle Pitts had the brace off earlier yep. this week. Seems like he's making the progress you guys want. Is that right? Yeah, he sure is. And and we, we've we got to hold him back. And, and that's where we're always – 
trying to hold him back because he wants more. He wants to do more, and he wants to go out there and continue to, but we have a clear plan because you got to be smart about it. And, look, we have a, our coaches, it's a tough camp, and, and it's hard. We want the practices to be really hard and them to be, uh, the games to be easier, and yet we're also smart about the way we operate. So there's a clear plan with Kyle and then how we're going to continue to progress and ease him into it, but he's in a really good spot. What was your initial thoughts of, of uh, Arthur's mustache? And are you trying to grow one? Because I had to pull your picture up. Yeah, you had the you full. You had the full goatee tear last time I saw you. Yeah, and that ain't looking like the full goatee. So you going Arthur Smith with it's the mustache? It's a little See, longer on top. Yeah. See, me and Arthur, we're a little different, right? Uh, <laughs> Arthur's just, you know, he's just in your face, and it just kind of. I mean, he just, he didn't prepare. He didn't ease into it. I mean, he just showed up with that thing, and you're like, what's on your face? That thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> overnight, he grew that? It just – Ryan Nielsen did the same thing. I don't know if y'all seen Nielsen. Yes. But, you know, yeah, there's sure. a few other coaches on the staff, but I have a little bit different personality. Uh, I kind of <laughs> ease into things a little bit. You know, but this is my dad's look. You know, this is Arthur Blank's look. And, you know, my dad's the sure. toughest – Toughest man I, I've ever known. Right. Um, you know, Arthur Blank, uh, obviously one of the more successful men that I've ever known, and those are two of my mentors. So um, they, they, they're doing things the right way. So I, I challenge y'all. Oh, I mean, no. It's, a, you like it's last, a way of life. What, what do you, you mean? You like his life. Hey, man, I'm, I'm so, not letting this go. Now, seriously, I'm looking at you right now, and no joke, you would look like Apollo Creed. And, and I'm <laughs> in a like, good way. You think I want to look like Action Jackson? Yeah, I'm Action that, Jackson, that you man. Think, that if you, you, think I you walk like. around here like you don't even. You show up to the show. You don't even need to wear a shirt, man. You think I want to look show like, up? And, I mean, they make me wear a shirt because I, I, you know, I would do. A, I would do this, you know, like we're back at home with no shirt, but I can't do that. It's I'm, a way I'm a of professional. Life. It's a way of life, and, and I got a vision right now in my head that we're gonna be rolling this year, and we're gonna get rolling. I'm gonna come on y'all show maybe late in the season or something, and y'all are gonna be. You're gonna gonna be Chuck Norris and Action Jackson, just like. Stash I mean, is just ready. We spent a solid five minutes last summer. You talking about my mustache? I, <laughs> I liked it. Randy didn't like it. it made him uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> very, I liked it. Very uncomfortable. Very hey, before we let you go, uh, just to sort of sum things up here, what what if you could define it, however you want to define it? What what does success look like this year for this team? It's it's improvement. It's taking that next step. Look, we are we're ready to take that next step. What we love about this team is even last year we're in position down the stretch to go to the playoffs and win the division. And I think that says a lot about this culture and the foundation that's been laid. And so we have raised the talent level. And so now it's time to take that next step. And and we want to – any game where we line up, we want to have a chance to, to win that football game. And I believe we have the types of players to do that. So it's just time to take the next step, and, and, and we're really excited about it. John Chuck, we will be back. Sports Radio 19 on the game, odyssey.com app. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. 
The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuckery show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios 921. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app so you catch us on the go. I am at JMCH316 on Twitter. He is at the D. Lewis for real on uh, Twitter. Day Day, did you see this story about what uh, Taylor Swift did for her um, uh, for her roadies? No, I missed that one. She gave everybody on in their in all the roadies and everything. She gave them all one hundred thousand dollar payments for <laughs> doing for doing such a good job. On, um, on her $2 billion dollar tour? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, look, she she handed out, I, I believe that the, the number was when all was said and done, that she handed out over $50 million in bonuses to her entire crew. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, she forked out some cash. I, I mean, mean that, but that's gratitude right there. Absolutely. Because obviously you, like. Like she gave $100,000 a piece to other truck drivers. Right. Yeah, like that's major gratitude, and I mean you got to think about it. she know she realizes these people are spending all that time away from their family. Right. Uh, I well, mean, and just the work that they're putting in. I mean, touring is not for the faint of heart. No, no, no. And she, I, I saw the number that said that she was making about thirteen million a night in <laughs> concert. Thirteen, because she. So let's say, for instance, she played three shows here, so that's forty million. Right. I, I mean, yeah. It's a good night's work if you can yeah, get it, right? Yeah, exactly. So, again, she gave away as much as $50 million, $100,000 a piece to the truck driver. And look, by all accounts, I, and I don't know if you're a fan of Taylor Swift or whatever, but, you know, again, I'm a fan of hers. I, I think she's a good role model and everything. Um, 
says that she gave away $5 million allocated toward her truck drivers who received $100,000 apiece. Uh, and then an additional $45 million was divided up among sound techs, caterers, stagehands, backing musicians, dancers, and the like. Look, when you make that kind of money, you know, that's what you do, right? Yeah, you, was, take, you take care of people. Yeah, I was going to say, you almost can't now when you look hindsight and looking at the t- t- uh, the ticket prices, you almost kind of got to be like, well, I mean, she that's paying it forward. Something serious. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, I'm i a fan. Of, I mean, I've become even more. I mean, with my daughter listening to her all the time, I've become even a bigger fan of hers. I mean, so um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go. Listen. Remember we said hot taking? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll tell you right now, Taylor Swift is the best songwriter in the world. Really? I think she's the Does best. Does she song- write her songs? Oh yeah. I, I don't I don't know. Oh no, she I writes don't know much about her songs. music. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. I mean she's got some collaborators that she does some right. stuff with, but she basically writes all of her own songs. Okay. Okay. Um and that's why while she doesn't have some of her early masters, she has all the publishing to her songs because She's the songwriter on them. Nice. But I, I okay. think she's the best songwriter in the world right now. Mm. Um, again, I, I don't know. How, she's got songs that are in the top ten that are like five and six years old. Right. Like that Cruel Summer song is in the top ten right now mm-hmm. uh, on the charts, on the Billboard 100, and it's like five, six years old. Right. Because she was going to release it before the pandemic, and then you know things didn't work out, and now she's released it now, and... Here we are, you know, like five years later, and that song is now a top ten song or whatever like that. So I think she's the best songwriter in the world right now. That's how, how about that being hot? Well, she's definitely the best employer in the world right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I give her credit, though. I mean, she she is obviously, um, you know, somebody who, you know, does a lot. Now, how about on the other end of things? Um, I guess, have you seen this story about Lizzo? That, yeah, that thing is good. That's a that's that's crazy. Yeah. So supposedly, you know, she is being sued right now by by her dancers and and people like that uh, right now. So again, I I don't know the whole story uh, about this, but supposedly right now that that people are like coming after her because of how she's treated. Some of her people and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's crazy. Now again, I don't know if all of this is true or not like that, but but it does look like that there are people that are suing her. Um, you know, to maybe to get money. I don't know. I mean, that's always you know the the thing about stuff like this is it's always probably about money. But looks like she's being sued right now for for you know not taking care of some of her people and this that and the other. So. You hate to hear that, but, you know, again, it uh, it sort of is what it is. All right. Um, happy birthday to Wes Craven, obviously one of the great directors as far as horror movies go. Um, Hellraiser among some of the other movies and stuff like that. So tonight's top ten list. Your top ten favorite horror supernatural type of movies Day Day, the floor is yours. All right. So on my list, speaking of Mr. Wes Craven, uh, the very first, actually, I didn't mind the third one either, but uh, the first Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Um, the first Hellraiser movie. Yeah, the original Hellraiser yeah. is great. Yeah, the so first the, one. I mean, after, after they first, I mean, 
like when they did Hellraiser two, and mm-hmm. like it started just getting ridiculous. Yeah, yeah like it, it started going down. Yeah, I'm not even sure if Wes Craven directed the second Hellraiser. Movie. I don't think he did. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think he did, he did. either. Um, Saw one and two. I really like the first two okay. Saws. Um, so I, I got them as one. Um, do you remember the movie Creep Show? Yes. Yes, Creep I do. show. Yes. <laughs> so that's one of my favorites. Yeah. When you look at it now, it was kind of kind of goofy in there's some spots. The, but there's a lot of those movies that that are that don't hold up. Right. Right. Like there's right. a lot of movies that don't hold up. But back then, for its time, it was kind of cool. Um, the Omen two, the second one, when Damien was older. So I have that on my list. Okay. I like the Omen two better than the original, the original one. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was. Um, uh, that was William Holden, yes. who was the the father, the stepfather, whatever mm-hmm. like that. But I agree with you. Um, the, I think I have the Omen two on my list because I thought it was better than the Omen. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, the original Poltergeist. Yeah, I've got that on my list as well. That, um, that's a tremendous movie. Yeah. I mean, that that's that is that is a again great eighties movie mm-hmm. making. Like again, I keep asking. Why can't they make more of those kinds right. of movies? Craig T. Nelson yeah. and uh, like Joe Beth Williams. Yeah, Joe Beth. Why yeah. can't they make more of those movies? Mm-hmm. Why can't they? Why can't they? Why can't somebody come up with an original idea? Again, it's not like blood and gore, like the, right. you know, like these movies nowadays. Like what, what is it? The Grudge or right? Again, it's not <laughs> over the top, right? Right. It, it's a psychological thriller, right? Without violence and gore, but it's well done. I mean, right. it's it's a great story and it's yeah. freaky. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, when she's you know in front of the TV, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like the whole thing is, and and again, you know, that whole poltergeist curse, right? Like yeah. Half the cast killed themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So now it's funny you said the grudge because I do have the first grudge on here. I like I've never I like seen the first movie. Oh yeah. no, the first I think you would like the first one because it's nah. not an over the top movie like nah. like like nah. what you're describing. I mean, there's so many of those movies that you know. I saw the um, what was the one with the ring? I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like all those kind of crazy movies. You know, I saw I saw Hereditary. Um, is it Hereditary? Yeah, Hereditary. You know, that's a that's an over-the-top movie. Okay. They they celebrate the pagan god and okay. The, the whole movie gets to be ridiculous yeah. after a while. Do you, do yourself a favor. I think you'll if you like Michelle, especially if you yeah. like Michelle Geller, uh, you'll like yeah. The Grudge. All right. Uh, another old. Uh, the rest of these are all old. Uh, the Thing. Um, what's yeah, my guy's Kurt name? Russell. John Carpenter. Yeah, with yeah, Kurt Russell. Yeah, Kurt, um, that's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Children of the Corn. That Remember a, that, that one? That was a. By the way, The Thing I think was a remake of a different. It was because that was on a in a in a snow like yeah like um, Antarctica type yeah, place yeah. yes but I think the thing is a re I think that version of the thing is a remake it wasn't in the same setting right but the thing is a movie is a remake I okay believe. all right Children of the Corn mm. um and then I don't know if you ever heard or saw this one but it was called Sleepaway Camp. No. And it was uh it's kind of along the lines of a uh, uh, you know kids at a camp and there's a killer and you know it, it, again it was like a late uh, very early 80s movie yeah that, the one the one that i saw was not you know a horror movie it was well it's more for adults uh, on something like that but okay. anyway um, <laughs> yeah anyway it was you know i, I it was more like on cinemax gotcha so, yeah, so, anyway all right um i've got poltergeist on my list uh, as well um as I said, I've got the Omen too because I th- I think the second Omen is better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, Hellraiser is on my list uh, as well. 
Um, I do, and I and it's now it's a goofy movie. I mean, it's ridiculous now when you watch it, but I I like the ridiculousness of it. I do like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, it, it's it's over the top ridiculous, but like when he hits that guy in the head and the guy's just like <laughs> squirming around on the floor, or when when they try to get Grandpa to bite her finger and all yeah, like yeah. again, it's the whole thing is ridiculous, and and he's out there waving his chainsaw around mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. Like, why didn't somebody just run him down? Like, right. Again, anyway. But. I've seen that house, actually. It's in Austin, oh, really? Texas. Yeah, because okay. my in-laws live in Texas, um, so I've seen that Were they house. slaughtering meat or whatever? <laughs> or, yeah. um, Jaws. I mean, the original yeah. Jaws. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. that's a great movie. I mean, again, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that movie became better because, so the, the thing that they always praise is the fact that they never showed the shark. Right, they never really showed you the shark right. until later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that is because, and and the guy, the shark's name was Bruce. That was that was the the robot shark. But yeah. the reason for that is is because it didn't work. Right, they, they couldn't get it to work. Spielberg could not get that thing to work. So the whole reason that they did not show you the shark is because it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be, you know, the key to the movie is that you never really saw. The, the shark. shark until later on in the movie, you know, when he was really going after that last boat and stuff like that. Yeah. So. And remember real quick when we talked about uh, theme parks and I said the Universal Studios yeah, in California because they have that. They have that there. Yes, so, yeah. yes. Yeah. They do that whole crazy thing yep. where it jumps out of the water or whatever like that. But again, it's, you know, it's a robot. <laughs> right. So. Um, you know, I, I, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. And, mm-hmm. and I like it because. It's a black and white movie. It's very simplistic. It's not over the top. Um, it's gory without being real gory. Right. Um, you do have zombies that are eating people, and it's it's well done. And, yeah. and it's for for its time, it, it's a it's a well done movie. Like it still holds up. I yeah. think it holds up. Um, it's not too over the top. Right. But it is scary. It is yeah. freaky to watch uh, that movie. Um, Silence of the Lambs, because again, I think that, I I think that, look, her performance isn't all that great. Hannibal Lecter is a little bit over the top, but there is enough good parts of that movie. Yes. Um, again, I still think Buffalo Bill is the best of that movie, you know? Yeah. Precious, (laughs) Precious, where are you? (laughs) You don't know pain. (laughs) Anyway, um... And then my two favorites. Uh, well, no. Uh, also, Interview with the Vampire. Oh, we yeah. talked about that. Yeah, I talked about with that. Tom that Cruise, night, you know, yeah. underrated movie. That's a really good flick. Uh, it is. I, I, I it think is. it's a really good flick. And then my favorite two of all time. Um, number two is The Exorcist, the, yes, original the original Exorcist. Now, again, they started getting umpteen Exorcists, and it was like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, that that book that uh, originally was done, and the mm-hmm. movie. To it is one of the scariest movies I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, that what was her, what was her Blair? What's the girl's name? Um, well, what? No, the the girl the the girl is um, Linda Blair. Linda yes. Blair, yeah. yeah, yeah. And she was magnificent yeah. in that movie. Yeah, but that's one of the freakiest movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that original one, yeah. is really freaky. Well, it hadn't really been done. Yeah, you really yeah. hadn't and, seen anything and, prior and to that. I, I love the fact that it really builds up mm-hmm. to when it gets really scary. Like yeah. there's little bits and pieces, and the movie just kind of goes along. Then all of a sudden, it starts taking off like a rocket yep. ship. And then listen, I, it's 
it's simplistic, but I still think it's the best horror movie ever done. Is Halloween, the original mm-hmm. Halloween. Yeah. Um, they shot it on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. They only had like six bucks to spend. I mean, that's why they had to get the, the William Shatner mask and paint it white and all that. <laughs> again, they had no money. Right. And they shot and they shot it like they had no money. But again, it's so yes. freaky and it's yep. so good. And again, the character is, you know, again, he becomes over the top. Right. But in that movie, you can buy into that. Yep. Like you can buy into it and it's gory without over the top. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's freaky and there's people that get killed, but it's not over the top yes. with, with the with the with gore the, and all that yeah, kind exactly. of stuff. Yeah, so, exactly. All right, hit us up with your list as well. When uh we get back, uh Dan Garland Dan Gartland joined us earlier in the show, talk some baseball, talk some SummerSlam, Chuck Green the Kia Studios. Sports Radio and 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Wednesday night with you. 404-726-0929, that is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Well, Braves uh, did make at least one move here before the uh, the deadline, and uh, of course they made a couple of bullpen uh, moves, but uh, right at the deadline moved, made a move for uh, Brad Hand, but did not pull the trigger on a uh, on a starter, so... Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to Dan Gartland. He covers Major League Baseball for Sports Illustrated. Also covers uh, wrestling for the publication uh, as well. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Dan underscore Gartland. Dan, uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, joining me here in Atlanta for a few minutes this evening. Yeah, of course. Sure thing. Um, You know, were you a little bit surprised that the Braves weren't able to pull a move for another starting pitcher? We saw the bullpen pieces, but... Were you a little bit surprised that they couldn't make a move for a starter? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of competition, right? So, and, and certainly two of the tough pitchers available were uh, playing for the rival Mets, and the Mets are probably not going to deal with the Braves and give up some, some uh, give up one of their better players for them. But, um, no, I think and they, have a, they have a decent rotation. It's not a team with a lot, a lot of holes. So, you know, they, they uh, strengthened up that bullpen with Brad Hand, and I think they must feel that, uh, that they're okay with that. You know, I, I did think it was interesting. I read somewhere about the idea that, you know, the Braves farm system isn't what it once was a few years ago. And part of that is because you've had Strider and Michael Harris and Bryce Elder, guys that are coming up and performing at a high level that maybe, and, and, and this is, you know, again, this is a good problem to have, but maybe because there's been so many guys that have come up and succeeded that the farm system isn't as deep and maybe the Braves didn't have as much to offer some other teams. Yeah, and they've also made made a lot of trades in the past, right, for guys like Sean Murphy and Matt Olson. And so, uh, you know, those, those trades take prospects off the board. And so, you know, you make those moves back then, you don't have the same kind of resources to offer up this time around. But 
again, I think, you know, they're, they're in their best record in the majors, right? So they're, they're in a good spot. Yeah. And Dan, do you look at a team like this as they're the best team in baseball right now? I think, yeah. I mean, pretty, pretty undisputedly, right? There's, Certainly in the National League, um, not a lot of competition. I think there's some good teams in the AL, especially, you know, maybe maybe the the Blue Jays and the Orioles don't have the same number of wins as the as the uh, as the Braves do, but that's because the Blue Jays and Orioles are in a really tough AL East and they're all beating up on each other, right? So, um, you know, they're uh, they're up there, but um, you know, and the the tough thing is they're they might finish, you know, with, with 10 or 12 wins more than any other team in the league this year, but then it's that crapshoot in the playoffs and they have to see what happens then. Dan Gartland uh, joining me on the WaitForIt.com hotline, baseball writer for SI.com. Um, look, we we joke about it. like I, you know, I'll, I'll say right out, I hate the Mets. Okay, I, I I truly hate the New York Mets. I hate the Red Sox. I hate the Mets. That's two teams that that I will root for their demise every time. I do think it's funny that you got 16 starts out of uh, not you personally, but but the Mets got 16 starts out of Justin Verlander and are going to pay about $50 million for him to walk away. This has been a disaster, and I, I will contend that might have been the worst contract in baseball history. Maybe not all Verlander's fault, but certainly with the injuries and things and not getting a, not a lot out of him, this, this is a disaster all the way around for the New York Mets. I don't know if there's any other way to spin it with, their, you know, with, this, with the contracts that they gave out this year. Well, my dad's a Mets fan, so I'm sure he'll like to hear that. But um, no, but I think you know Verlander. You know that's a risky run when you when you sign a pitcher who's on the wrong side of 40. Um, but I think like it's it, it, they're playing a different sport because Steve Cohen has more money than any owner in baseball, right? So what's a, what's a bad contract to him is not the same as what's a bad what's a bad contract to Liberty Media with the Braves or the Steinbrenners or whatever. So um, you know I think. They, uh, Cohen, you know, if if if, uh, if if he had, you know, if, he, if the Mets weren't as as rich as they are, then Cohen might have been more content to sit on Verlander and, you know, and not trade him. Um, but I think just because they got rid of him, got some value out of him in, in what's a lost season for the team for reasons beyond the Verlander and, and Scherzer deals, right? I mean, there, there's the Mets have a lot of problems. Um, their rookies have really not lived up to expectations, and so that's that's one of the problems that's, that's got them in the position they're in right now. And the bullpen with Diaz going down during the World Baseball Classic, right? They've got they've got issues that run deeper than just those two big pitcher contracts. But again, Cohen being you having the the money that he does was able to trade those guys away and get better return for them because you know he's one of the only guys who's willing to offer them the kind of money that they got. And so when they're you're trying to trade into another team, those teams don't have the appetite to pay them those high salaries. So Cohen was able to say, "Hey, I'll, I'll offer, I'll, I'll, I'll offload some of that that money, offset it, and um, you know, and you give me a better prospect in return, and, and in exchange, I'll, I'll foot the bill for his, uh, for his salary." So I think Cohen, you know, made the and the Mets made the best out of what was a, a really bad situation. Dan, are the uh, Baltimore Orioles the best story in baseball this year? I mean, they're not dynamic, they're not flashy, but but boy, I mean, they have won a crap ton of games and. You know, you, you, to your point, that's such a good division. Sixty-six and forty-one in that division is sixty-six and forty-one in that division. I give them all the credit in the world. And you know, again, we've looked at some of their young talent, but I don't think anybody saw this coming out of Baltimore. Yeah, and it's they also they have a problem. Well, not a problem, but one of the, you know maybe the one new area where they're weak is in the starting rotation. And uh, so they did make a move for for Jack Flaherty. 
uh, from the Cardinals, and, and that'll be, you know, that, that should help them uh, down the stretch here. But that's, you know, I talked about the Mets having their rookies not live up to expectations. It's the opposite with the Orioles, you know, not Adley Rutschman, not a rookie, but a young guy. He's been playing great, and they have um, also the, um, what's the other guy's name? They had, uh, oh, Jordan Westberg, they just brought up um, a couple others. Like, they're, and the bullpen is fantastic. They've got, some like Felix Bautista is a fireballer. Like, I don't, he's probably the most dominant reliever in, in all the majors right now. And, and they're, uh, th- if they can keep it up, I mean, you know, again, tough division, but if they can keep it up, they're, uh, they might go far. You know, Dan, um, we just saw the, uh, the Angels here. And, and by the way, I call them the California Angels because I'm not, I'm an old guy. And sure. I, you know, was Gene Autry was, was running the, you know, owned the team. And we, I call them the California Angels. So, um, but, it's another year where, you know, now the Angels after losing, now they're in fourth place. You know, they, they were, you know, playing pretty well, but still three games over 500. But now in fourth place, they're six games back. You know, it's a year where Trout is hurt again. You know, why would Shohei Otani, even though they love him and there's money to be had with all the endorsements, stuff like that, but why would Otani, from a baseball perspective, continue to stay with the Los Angeles Angels and – and decide to re-up with them. I mean, at some point, isn't it about winning? I mean, you can make your money, but isn't it some point about winning? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really think he will stay. It, it, it's it's the winning thing, which he has. You know, he doesn't obviously with the language barrier. He's not really um, speaking to the media all that often, and when he does, it's it's through an interpreter. It's not very in depth, but there are some comments that he made in the past about wanting to win, and credit to the Angels for trying to do that. But um, you know, I think it's the combination of the money and, and the winning and the angels don't really, you know, they don't have a history of offering. I mean, they've offered, you know, bigger contracts to guys like Albert Pujols and Anthony Rendon in the past, but um, I don't know how willing Artie Moreno is to, to open up his wallet and give, um, give Otani the kind of money that a team like the Dodgers will. I think the, the Dodgers are the favorite because they have that winning pedigree. Uh, they have, you know, a ton of money and, Nice for Otani if he doesn't have to move, right? So uh, I think, you know, it's, it's credit to them for, credit to the Angels for, you know, making moves at the deadline here to, even though their, their playoff chances are, are slipping and, and are not great to begin with, um, you know, the, the, give them credit for at least making the push in, in what looks like it's going to be Otani's last year. So, all right, let's, uh, let's switch gears here completely. So um, SummerSlam. You know, I, I, on on paper, this doesn't look like a great card. But, you know, here's the thing about the WWE that I can say this year. I give them the benefit of the doubt because their pay-per-views have been outstanding this year, starting starting with Royal Rumble and, and going through the Puerto Rico show and, you know, everything else, WrestleMania. I, you know, I really, for, for the first time in a long time, even though that this doesn't look like a great card on paper, I give them the benefit of the doubt because they've delivered this year on pay-per-views, and and I'm not expecting anything less come Saturday when when SummerSlam rolls around. There's going to be some surprises, and there's going to be some things we don't expect because I, it's been that kind of year for WWE. Yeah, I think you know give a lot of credit to to Triple H as the the new head of creative there. He's really uh, turned things around in a way that that you know Vince McMahon had a, had a kind of um, you know, inconsistent booking strategy, and Triple H seems to be a guy who's, who's less, um, you know, less liable to to uh, play on his whims, and he's got he's got more of a consistent plan going. And I think 
you know, obviously, like, WWE, they, you know, like, I it, you know, go back and forth whether you prefer them or AEW, but there's, in terms of storytelling, but there's no denying that, like, AEW, WWE has top-notch in-ring talent, and so you're going to get, you know, like, um, Ricochet is, like, one of the most athletic guys you'll ever see on your TV screen in any capacity, and he's got a match against Logan Paul, and Logan Paul is a guy who, even as a part-timer, as a guy who's mainly famous for YouTube, he's really embraced being a wrestler, and he's really taken it seriously, and every time he's been on, on screen, he delivers, and he, he knows how to get the crowd uh, to, to boo him, and he's got some really great, surprisingly great athleticism. I think that'll be a match that, you know, people maybe aren't looking at to, to steal the show, but I think that's, you know, that's one that I'll be watching for sure. Yeah, and, you know, obviously Royal Rumble, they, they do that crazy spot, uh, you know, that, right. where they jump across the ring at one another. I mean, I, I look, you know, I, again, uh, for what it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really fun match because, it, to your point, and, and I'll give the WWE credit for this, and, and I think even more than AEW, when, when they bring people in, whether it's Bad Bunny or whether it's a Logan Paul, they they those guys buy into it like they buy into what the WWE is and and it's not just some goofy gimmick spot or whatever like that they really do take this thing seriously and and you see that they work hard at this and and they work hard to try to be good at what they're doing out there yeah it's a long way from uh snooky i think that was wrestlemania you know they they get people who are they're, uh, you know, they, they want to be there. They take it seriously. They're fans first and foremost. Um, and that's, you know, that helps when you get somebody who's, who knows, who knows the deal beforehand and they, they can really uh, get in there and, and, and show the fans what they want. You know, Dan, um, and I've had Tony Khan on the show and I've had a chance to talk to him and he's a great guy. And, and I, I do like the promotion, but boy, at times it is just, it's hard to watch the booking on on some of those shows for AEW. I mean, I just I scratch my head, and you know, you talk about the entering town. I mean, look, you know, the Saturday. I mean, it, the Saturday show for Collision has looked like a completely different show than than Dynamite, and I think we kind of thought that with FTR and CM Punk and some of those guys were going to be featured on that show. But, boy, it really is dramatic when you watch Collision just in the presentation of that show versus even AEW Dynamite, which is their flagship show. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly in their history, it, their brief history, they've done a good job at differentiating their different products, which can be, which can be tough. I think the, the, the thing with them is they do have, you know, it happens with WWE, too. They go through hot streaks and cold streaks with their, with their storytelling and their booking. Uh, the problem for EW is they're the new the new kid on the block, and so every time there's a cold streak, uh, it's kind of you know it, it kind of amplifies things, and they they draw a little more criticism than than you might expect. Um, but you know they, they give them credit for trying to to uh, to do the Saturday show. I know that's I haven't been able to watch that so much because I you know I got plans on Saturday night. I, know, I think a lot, I'm not the only one. I think people are not usually sitting down to watch wrestling on a Saturday night, but uh, hopefully they're gonna make it work. Last question for you. Um, do you still think the plan is at some point for Cody to beat Roman Reigns and take the belt? I, I still go back to WrestleMania. I still think it was a mistake having Cody lose to, to Roman Reigns. And, and, again, you could have still done a lot of this story even without Roman Reigns having the title, especially because, again, Jay Uso is not beating Roman Reigns. I mean, with, with all due respect, even Triple H and Vince McMahon, are not going to put the belt on the WWE title, the universal title. 
they're not going to put it on Jay Uso. So if that's not going to happen, is it going to be Cody at some point that maybe next year at WrestleMania that he finally breaks through in this whole thing? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I was in the minority and I thought that they, that Roman should have won that match at WrestleMania because I think one thing that, uh, even if you guys, you know, even if it's not that you say that he should have, that I think he was going to because one thing to remember is that WWE, they love their own history and Roman was approaching that thousand day milestone as mm-hmm. champion and, you know, they, they really want to, you know, you, you, you better believe they were going to, they were going to push that angle. Um, and, you know, and the other thing about that is uh, you had, Roman kind of becoming stale to an extent as the champion. But then by introducing now the second title belt on Raw, you kind of add a new flavor to all your to, to Raw especially, right? Raw was, was was lacking without that the presence of the champion there. So then you add the belt, uh, the new belt that's held by um by Seth, <clears throat> by Seth Rollins now, and that adds a little bit more, you know, color to the show. It it really makes the whole show come together a lot better. Um and for Cody you know, he had just come back not that long ago from that long injury layoff after he had that torn pec where he, he wrestled that match at Hell in a Cell with the torn mm-hmm. pec, which was like, I mean, that's a match, you know, give the belt to the guy right there, right, after that, that torn pec. But he had just come back from that, and I think it, it, it would have felt a little bit rushed to then immediately hand him the belt. And I think now he gets to, gets to prove to people a little bit more why he deserves to be champion. Well, I, I definitely think he's going to beat Brock because, again, it would not make sense for him to lose – uh, to Brock if you're trying to build some storyline to it. So that's right. that's that's the other part of it, uh, this too. So you can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Dan underscore Gartland, baseball writer, wrestling writer for SI.com, and he joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Dan, really appreciate the time. Thanks for a few minutes in Atlanta. We'll chat again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. You okay. got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, we'll be – TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh, 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 oh,